0: Welcome to episode 16 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 22nd of July 2017. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. Your Lordship. Faye Lim. (laughs) Sorry. Anarchy. My lady. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, not much news this time. Um, let's start with jesse's tale of woe so we looked at pop os last time we were talking about it in the news and we all checked it out i think you thought you had checked it out and then you were kind of stuck with it so tell us more
1: well i did ask him a question and i feel guilty for two seconds and then not
2: what was the question you asked?
1: I asked you to run LSB underscore release dash A.
2: Oh yeah. And I so we, we finished the laptop uh, finished the uh, the podcast and you asked me about that. So I booted my laptop in order to see what the response to that was. And for some reason it booted into Pop OS, which was unusual because I look at the, the distros on live USBs, and therefore once you unplug the USB and I thought, right, that's fine. I've just left the USB in. No, there's no USB here. Fine. Okay. We'll see what happens. And it boots into Pop! OS. And it turns out that it's sort of taken over my computer without me actually installing it. And I then had uh, a day or two, because, you know, an evening here or there, to work out what was wrong and smash the laptop and delete Pop! OS until it was back to my standard install. Um, so when you boot on the USB, it gives you the option of I, I don't think it says install it just says like run pop maybe it does say install but there's no live version there's no other way of doing it and so I just did that didn't go through an install palaver didn't you know say yes to anything it just went straight to a desktop and it had a do you want to install it you know little desktop icon I was just running it live it was fine and in the background or somehow or fuck knows what it was on my system, had got rid of the boot partition for my other distro. The rest, it had 2 gig of pop and then 300 or 298 gig of blank disk. And so uh, using test disk and boot repair, I managed to fudge it around so that it it booted my original OS. So I, all the nice things I said about PopOS in the last show, I take back, it's rubbish.
0: Are <laughs> sure Ryan didn't break into your flat and install
2: it without you noticing? He must have been sat behind me doing it while I was doing the podcast. If that's so, <laughs> what if,
3: right? And you're gonna hate me for this. What if you didn't dd it to the USB stick? <gasps> oh. What if you dd it to your
2: hard drive? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was on the. It definitely was on the USB stick. Are you sure? I mean, you booted from something, granted. <laughs> so we will later be looking at Magia and. I overwrote the Pop! OS USB stick, and when I plugged it in, it said, this is Pop! OS, and I was like, yes, I will be banishing you into non-existence now. Right. So you
0: definitely did DD it right. You did your proper LSBLK and didn't do it to SDA instead of
2: SDB. <laughs> we got him worried now.
0: <laughs> You're not sure, are you? You're not 100%.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have done so many USB installs. I do, There is a set procedure of, like I say... Search for the what what the new partitions are. It's always SDG, and it's always on that one, and it always works. And this is the one that it was fucking around with me properly. It was really annoying. And I, had I not used Test Disk before, I'd have been a little bit apprehensive. But I've I've been an idiot before, so I was fine with that and dicking around. And it amazed me actually how many old installs it found I mean it it was churning through doing sort of the more detailed check and it found Antigrass and Solus and Chaos and an old Ubuntu and it said you know these are all the things that are just littered across your hard disk with you know little packets of information that it hasn't overwritten yet with new information or whatever it's 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 surprising how uh I don't know just how many remains are left once you think you've overwritten something with a new install
3: Can I just take you back there to a rather important point? I think we're all skipping over here. And this requires a bit of seriousness, I think. Um, You overwrote Solus (laughs) with Pop!
1: OS.
0: (laughs) Pop underscore bang OS. No,
2: Pop! bang underscore OS. Get it right. Tell that to Uh Mark. sorry <laughs> yeah so i was i was trying Solus. uh i think before you came on uh before we started doing this and uh i i just i, I mean <laughs> back I just, paddle pedal. sorry paddle. <laughs> right hang on let
0: me rescue you here right <laughs> a, sdg a b c d e f g you've got seven discs in that machine
2: no, so, that, so I have a multi USB reader, and it, it allocates them all, even without USBs in them. Ah, right. Nice. So yeah, I've got an SDA one and two, and then and then a whole load of just ones that never come up. Right. Fair enough. So I mean,
3: apart from the freaky, it installed itself. You know, like that side of the experience. What did you
2: actually think of it? Oh, I mean, it was it was a nice rebranding of Gnome, wasn't it?
1: But <laughs> as we <laughs> found out, that LSB underscore release. It does say that it is Ubuntu, which makes an interesting case, which maybe we'll gloss over and let them figure out.
0: <laughs> well, it's early days, and they've had some updates. So, uh, you know, they're going to have automated firmware updates and all that kind of stuff, and uh, they're working on the installer. So let's let's reserve judgment, I think, on it. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. On whether it's a great decision or a terrible one. So let's do a bit of news. Um, Phelim, you obviously put this in. Academy with a K, that obviously means it's some KDE bollocks. What's all this about?
1: <laughs> um, essentially, everybody wants to go to the southeast of Spain, and they're having a great time. There's a... Obviously, at this point, there'll be a full weekend's coverage, of the whole thing, and no doubt videos coming up if they're not already up. Um, I realise now that that means that we don't know that already. Does that mean that we're lying?
2: <laughs> what you're saying is we're recording it before things have happened, which I think people have understood. <laughs>
0: Did we say that?
2: (laughs) Well, we're recording it while it's happening. Oh,
0: It's a time paradox going on here. We're recording a little bit early. But anyway, suffice to say, it's basically a big KDE get-together with hundreds of people from the KDE community all over the world get together in Spain and have a good time. If I could afford to go there, even though I don't like KDE, I'm sure I could talk enough Linux with... um, I say I don't like KDE. I don't use KDE. I'm sure that it would be good fun to... uh, Hang out in Spain with all these people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of work they're going to do over the next week as well. There's going to be a lot of people fixing things. There's a big drive to get all the stuff out of KD4 libs and get everybody moved over to QT5. There's still straggling applications that you know they're probably not as popular and just not enough work being done. And I think that's a big drive of that at the same time. And I would love to be there, but I am not, and I'm sad. And ironically, the one time it came to Dublin, I was in France living there. So supposed <laughs> sucks to be me.
0: Yeah, KDE seems to be innovating where other free software projects are not. I mean, you only have to look at uh, KDE Connect for a prime example of that. I just wish I could get to like it. I just wish I could acquire that taste because it feels to me like KDE and Qt is really the the future i suppose or maybe even the present but i just i'm just so stuck in my old gtk2 ways with xfce that i, I gtk2 is
1: awful
3: It just looks terrible i don't just, know but just get with the program gtk2 <laughs> was lovely once you had the black overglass themes and compass and conky
0: i don't know i just i'm happy enough with zubuntu it just they seem to do it all right it's not spectacular it's not amazing but everything just works all right. And so doesn't KDE
3: too? So maybe there's a space for a KDE distro that hasn't come along yet to appeal to, I guess, not not older in terms of age, but the older Linux world. You know, because KDE is predominantly kind of bling and, you know, 747 control panel, effectively. Well, literally about five minutes work, you can turn all that off. That's that's the beauty of KDE for me. Ah, but same defaults, right? People like same defaults. Why do most people choose a certain distro? It's not just the philosophy, it's the default. Okay, you could essentially
1: have one script to configure that. A little tiny amount and just switch all the display effects off and, you know, hmm. use Thunderbird for your thing. Don't use Akinadi
3: if you don't want to use any of that but stuff. But that doesn't exist.
1: But it's easy to do. I think the reason why... So you-
3: somebody should, you're saying? You you are condoning the idea. <sighs> no, I'm not. I
1: really am not. I'm just saying. Spend literally 30 seconds. Honestly, uh, uh, when I watched Graham Morrison's video that he had on YouTube, all the things that he did to customize it, I realized how little I do. I move my taskbar to the top, buttons on the left for Windows, and I'm almost there at that point. On the left, and I'm very happy. Yes, because notifications drop down from the right. And the problem was they would cover your window. You'd go to close the notification and the thing would just disappear right where you click. And then you close the window, all the unsaved work in it.
2: You have out of choice. Move them to the left. Yeah. <laughs> I done before,
1: before Ubuntu, I had it done. Or before. Oh, it was blazed cold. that trail. Yeah. No, because dropped, your menu should drop down and flow, right? So your start in inverted commas menu or your K menu or whatever you want to call it, that should drop down from the top of the screen. It shouldn't pop up and then down and then up as you navigate this meandering menu structure. Not that I use it that much anyway. I use Alt F2 to run everything, so. No, that's where it should be. It should be all, none of this things over and left, over and right. I mean, you're going to be like using your desktop for Tinder at some point as you'll catch fire to the amount of mouse
0: friction as it goes whizzing back and forth from left to right, so. When you talk about KDE with sane defaults, well, isn't that cute essentially? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I have a lot of faith in LXQ going forward. I,
1: I don't get the point. Why Why more stuff that we don't need? I think I think just use KDE.
3: The KDE Light project should have just continued.
1: There's no need for it. You just, just turn off the effects. It's checkboxes. It's just like
3: a few checkboxes all off. Boom. Done. Yeah, but... In terms of distros, you'd want something that was saying out of the box. It might well be a script that just remasters an existing ISO, right? But people want to be presented with that. You know, I mean, I might even try one of those out if it was the case, but it's it's bewildering when you're presenting. I mean, one, you like buttons on the left, man. <laughs> right, look, K-pop, bang, underscore, OS, <laughs> done.
0: Wouldn't that be Korean pop music? <laughs> yeah. But it does need to be done. A sensible um, distro, uh, that's say an Ubuntu LTS base with the latest KDE. So essentially, KDE so neon. neon, yeah.
1: But with all of the bullshit turned off. So nothing turned off
3: then? Okay, we're agreed. <laughs> there's there's certain people who like things like where you have all these options, right? It's nice to have them, and I think people would complain if they didn't have the configurability.
0: Yeah, like Unity.
3: Right, but then you don't want to see it all in the same place. You want progressive disclosure when it comes to sentence. You don't want something that's got like four levels of depth to it, which is basically what the uh K-system sentence, I think the name of it would be. It's overly complicated. It's overly complex. The navigation is bad. There's a beautiful search thing in the top right. Nope, nope. Yeah, but you have to know what you're searching for. It. Fine. The fact is it's not presented well in the first place that you need to search for a specific term. If it was presented well enough, you would have basically two uh, two levels of depth, effectively. Fine, fine, right? fine. But if there good. was those sort of same defaults around KDE, because the technology underneath it, I don't think anyone is of any opinion otherwise, it's brilliant. Yeah, The tech underneath it is absolutely brilliant. The way that it's presented to people... Not so much
2: <laughs> so Ike you mentioned it last show when, or maybe it was a couple of shows ago when we were discussing what the new uh, upcoming distros were that, that weren't based on Ubuntu uh, hmm. and you mentioned Chaos and I also noted there in the intro about one that I would I really enjoyed Chaos when we reviewed it on Luddites and to the point where I put it back on my laptop uh, when I was sort of dicking around with what I would install and I think Chaos was one of the few KD distros that I installed that I thought I don't need to go dicking around with the settings what I view so that the the install did have sane defaults. It was nicely laid out. It it was smooth. KDE has always had this really annoying kind of box on the desktop. That I never really understood what it. <laughs> yeah, did. the widget thing. Yeah, I just... didn't really understand why that was there, and I didn't want to have to delve into. But it, it, anyway, so there are there is that's that's my uh, listener uh, proposal. Is if you're looking for a sane KDE, try Chaos. It's not Ubuntu-based like Joe was looking for, but it's a good one. No, nah, he's
1: wrong.
0: Anyway, just use Neon. All right. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about Remix OS. Now, you talked about Luddites there back in uh, the day we got hold of a Remix Mini which was their um little desktop thing about the size of uh it was like a Nook, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit smaller than that. But yeah, like kind of like a Roku type. Well, maybe a bit bigger. But anyway, a small ARM-based device running this version of Android, Remix OS, that has got a proper desktop. Now, this week, Jide, who are the company behind it, have announced via their various social media platforms that they have decided to kill it. Certainly the consumer-facing side of it. It looks like they're going to do some deals with OEMs. Maybe they kind of hinted at that. But it's, it's basically dead as far as we're concerned. It was never properly open source anyway, so I'm not massively bothered. I suppose it brings up this larger point of desktop versions of Android. There have been a few. You've still got Android x86. That's going strong, I think. And Phoenix OS which I tried this week, and it wouldn't boot, so fuck that. Um, and I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm over this idea of desktop Android now. I think that it kind of had its chance, and I just, I don't really feel like I'm that interested anymore.
2: When you say you're over it, do you mean that previously you had a particular interest, and was there a reason for that interest, and now that's, that's waned, or... You know, what, d- or did you see that as the future and now you think that just pure Linux is the future?
0: It's not that I saw it as the future. It's that I saw it as a potential future. And the problem has always been the applications that run on top of it because it's relatively straightforward, it seems, because a few people have had a go at it, to put together a desktop-type experience on top of Android with proper floating windows that you can resize and a taskbar and all the rest of it. But it just has always been the problem that the applications don't work properly on it, that they are designed for touch and they're not designed for a mouse. The whole idea of Android is not designed for mouse and keyboard input. Well, maybe keyboard, but certainly not mouse. And so I think that if it was going to take off by now, it would have done, and app developers would have been making more apps that would work somehow Uh, would would adapt to do both things, touch and mouse. But that just doesn't seem to have happened. And it it just feels like there are better ways to do it. Like with Mario OS, where you've got Android and you've got Linux containerized within it when you need proper Linux, or even the Ubuntu Touch stuff. If it had a more Android-like experience in the phone department, then I would probably be keener on it. Obviously, it's called UbiPorts these days. Um, but, you know, that, that idea of you can't really have, you can't mash the two together. You can have one device that switches between two things, and that, to me, is more interesting than trying to use Android as a desktop because it just it's just not as good as proper Linux on the desktop.
2: So the clever thing that Phoenix OS does is that you can key map things that would be touch inputs you can key map them to the keyboard so uh, if you would normally maybe swipe up or swipe down you could have that as up arrow down arrow and and, in different apps you can specify that so they're trying to put like a layer between uh, the app and what it's expecting to see if it was a pure android app versus what you're able to input as a as a keyboard and So it does sort of get around that problem with the touch interface. Okay, I agree certain things are natively swipey and it feels right to swipe it rather than click a keyboard. But on your point about whether or not developers would would move to it, I think it's because Phoenix and Remix were fairly small, not really worth their time. So you change your focus to where Google is and everyone is expecting them to come out with a Android sort of uh, laptop slash tablet with keyboard type interface when they're you know when one of the newer androids comes out so when that happens then the big developers will look at doing it i suspect or samsung maybe
0: can't you already run android apps on chrome os anyway you are supposed to be able to do that soon and it's been soon for about a year basically uh it's it's in, been in beta and from the reviews that I've seen of it, it doesn't run on my Chromebook. Basically, it only runs on the newer touchscreen ones. And, and from the reviews I've seen, it's still ropey as fuck. Basically, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough.
2: Yeah, you, you can run them, but you still get you still have the same problem Joe was talking about, where you expect to be using it expects to be using a touch interface, whereas you've got a mouse and you're sort of dragging the mouse whilst holding the click up to swipe up, and it's just not as comfortable.
3: Well, if only we had somebody working on convergence.
2: <laughs> it's it's amazing that as soon as ubuntu stops everyone's like oh fuck. <laughs> yeah previously was like what the fuck are they wasting their time with
0: who would you use that well it's funny you say that right for me my perspective on the whole thing has, has shifted massively because when ubuntu were doing it it was a product that you could buy from okay an online shop but whatever everything's online these days it was a product you could buy and you would take it you know get delivered to your house and you would bought this proper thing and it was shit whereas now it's a community project and suddenly i'm far more forgiving of it and as a community project my it's as if my perspective has shifted almost perpendicular and now looking at it from this other angle as a community project i think well that's great you know if they can make it sort of work then that's brilliant and I really hope that they can progress it and make something uh that that's worthy of being a product one day. But it's it the thing is that, that where Ubuntu went wrong was pretending that this unfinished thing was finished and a product, if you know what I mean. And so now I am actually quite enthusiastic about Ubiports. I'm not massively hopeful for them because we saw how much money was poured into it as Ubuntu Touch and it was still a bit ropey. Whereas now who knows often these things once they hit the community you're sort of freed from this commercial um expectation and you can just sort of do whatever you want and so i really have high hopes uh well no that's wrong i i have i i want them to do well i have i've um strong positive feelings for them but Maybe not about them. I'd, I'm a bit pessimistic about whether they'll have the time to do it. But um, renewed interest. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. The phrase I was looking for. Yeah, You're renewed welcome. interest. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I a new, knew there was a reason that we uh, had you on. Okay. Yeah. Because I can speak proper. <laughs> Phelan, have you got any interest in Android as a desktop? Then. Nope. <laughs> well, because it's not free enough. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not.
1: I'm not completely. Waving the flag as Jesse said uh, on uh, Foss talk but I don't love using my phone. I mean I like my phone setup I've got but I don't love using a phone. I love using my uh, KDE system I've got on either my desktop PC or my uh, laptop when I'm out and about. I would hate to be stuck on a phone. If In fact if it became a crime to have anything but a phone I'd probably chuck it in because I wouldn't be able to hack it.
0: Well, what if it was a tablet that had a keyboard and mouse and had an interface, you know? Pretty tell, a phablet. Yeah.
1: No, because I don't feel the OS, the way it's done, it, it gets in the way. It gets in the way horribly. The amount of times I've, like, wanted to punch my finger through the screen of my phone when trying to type a message, and it's, you know, spell check the word, that is correct and then decided to randomly write in bullshit for the bit that isn't a Jesus Christ. uh, Just it's amazing. My phones have lasted as long as they do like, cause I I just cannot stand it. It's such an impediment to actually using a a device. Whereas you come on, you use a keyboard, bang, you're done. Okay. You say a keyboard and a phablet, but that's never going to be a thing you're going to use all the time. You're still gonna have to fall back to the other interface. And it's, I don't know.
3: No, not for me. I lost my phone actually. Like, oh yeah what happened with that like, you
0: tried to find it but you couldn't find it because you needed two factor right so I, I wanted to be all slay
3: about it on Google like I didn't I didn't really want to fess up like yeah Dickhead's lost his phone again right <laughs> because it genuinely lasted this time Um, I managed to lose it basically going to the shops or wherever it fucked off out of my pocket Right. <laughs> I actually went out right people say Ikey why don't you go out this fucking happens <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking expensive right? anyway Lumi form's gone so I thought fuck it If I don't manage to get that phone back, then I'm going to have problems getting into GitHub and Google and even my own email for solo sets using two-factor authentication. So, in a word, bollocks, right? Is there a recovery on that, by the way? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) um, (laughs) You have to go up to Grand Canal
1: Basin in Dublin and beg someone to fix
3: it. When they'd set it all up, it's like, download your recovery code. It's like, why? You have me fucking phone, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've rethought that one since, right? But lucky enough, the phone was insured. I never really get insurance on anything, so I'm really glad it did. And this was just after having gone full-time as well, right? The keys to the kingdom are gone. So Wait, I thought,
1: does that mean that you actually got a modern halfway decent phone?
3: Yeah, Samsung Galaxy A5 2017. So no, no, he didn't get a modern halfway decent <laughs> phone. It is a modern halfway decent <laughs> phone. That phone was €480 Euros when I bought it. It <gasps> has a fingerprint sensor and everything. You yeah, Plus. I don't want a plus, no, because the company's dickheads. I'm sorry, but their conduct, dickheads, right? Not even am going to justify care. it. Samson exactly saints either. Well, like oh. I need some warmth in my front room. Since the server has gone, I have the option of spontaneous combustion. Right? <laughs> I will take that option.
0: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, not to mention all the financial uh, misconduct and uh, corruption and shit. What, Samson? Oh, never, never. No. Anyway, did you find it then? Yeah, anyway, right. So getting back to the whole story, I went on
3: to the whole, you know, like if you go into the Google settings, you got the dashboard. You won't know this failing, but if you go onto the Google know, dashboard, right. Right, <laughs> you got this feature, find my phone. I thought, well, sure, that's fucking handy because it's gone. <laughs> so, got that in KD Connects, don't you know? Yeah, but people use Google. Okay, it's ringing really my phone. It's not exactly the same. Well, but. anyway, well, it's always on silent, so that's not going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> the phone is always on silent, right? I know who's actually ringing me. But th- anyway, back to the whole point of it. So it's like, comes up, find me phone. I thought, well, that would be handy. And I thought, if I don't find it, then I'll use the feature to reset the phone remotely. That's not
0: concerning at all that Google can do that. But, yeah, hard hard brick, well, soft brick it from yeah. uh, remotely. Yeah. Now, it's
3: already got a, obviously there's a pin on the chip, there's a pin on the phone as well, and it's fingerprint as well. So whoever did end up with that phone, it's a complete brick to them anyway, right? It's been reported the whole lot, lost. I'm dumb, So I've come to go on this feature basically to, you know, try and find the phone, and I assume it would phone it or something. I might just hear it vibrate somewhere if I'm lucky. Out of context, that's very wrong. Moving on. So I went on there, and it asked me to sign in, so I put my password in. And there's like, we've sent you a text to verify it's really you. (laughs) Oh, dear. If I could get the text, I wouldn't need to find the fucking phone in the first place, would I? So I got very, very annoyed with that. But then I went up to, fair enough, went to Carphone Warehouse, and I was the whole thing to them. So I had to pay like a 50, 50 euro waiver, and I got it the next day. Like literally the next day I got the new phone and I changed the chip over for me and everything. So that was properly handy. Have you changed all your passwords just in case? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. The, the phone itself anyway, you wouldn't have been able to get anything because the phone automatically locks the screen. As soon as that's done, it's fingerprint to get in. And me like a spud, when I set it up, I didn't quite realize what it meant. So you get this whole prompt on the screen. Like, I'm not good with phones. If you had not realized by now, <laughs> I'm not good with phones. You go through the first setup step and it's like, Let's set up a fingerprint pattern. It's like, all right, let's do that. Yeah, I want to appear technical and, like, I know what I'm on about. <laughs> so let's fucking go for this. Put your thumb down. It's like, all right, yep. And then it says, lift your thumb up, put it down again. So it's like, all right. And it would slowly fill in out the circle. Don't show your actual thumbprint. So I must have done this about 25 times, right? <laughs> again, putting the thumb back down. It turns out it wants you to put your thumb down differently each time. So, I can see your whole phone. <laughs> so that any angle you put your phone down, it will actually reveal it. Turns out I put it down exactly the same way about 25 times. So, I had to have my phone in exactly the same angle <laughs> to unlock yeah. the phone
2: every time we used it. This is exactly what my mum did. Just, just to put it into context.
3: No, I don't want to talk to you now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that was a great discussion about Remix OS dying. Uh, I
3: know, I know. And I feel really bad about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did we have a third news story? Uh, yes. So, failing you put this one in. I had read about this and thought, meh, whatever. So, on the uh, About add-ons page on Firefox that no one ever sees, because no one uses Firefox these days, apart from us two, it seems. Yeah. They use Google Analytics. Uh, the question I have is, why the fuck are they using Google Analytics, and why don't they stop immediately? Yeah, that's a good question. It really
1: is, because... Yeah, laziness is what I wrote in the doc, and it's got to be that. Um, it just, it's just mind-boggling. It's a kind of, let's make our own phone OS and use a browser that's tied to the OS version sort of level of mentality, I think, where it's like
0: did nobody think that this was at all a bad idea like and even now it's being pointed out to them this they're basically saying well it's fine it's fine we don't actually give google any information it's fine don't worry but we're not going to stop what utter utter rubbish
1: you don't know what they're doing with that stuff uh don't buy that for a second you shouldn't be if you if you're gonna uh, in any way make your uh browser have some form of uh, security, etc. You you can't tie in with this type of stuff, especially if people choose, uh, you know, do not track, etc. As you know, that whole thing is like, yeah, do not track, except for the
3: bit that we're tracking you with. You know, it's it's ridiculous. They claim to have updated this, so their claim is yeah. effectively they have a legal contract with Google, who will promise not to use it for data mining, or share it with third parties, because as we all know. Google will not do that. As the largest advertising company on the planet, they would not mine your data. No, never. Especially that they don't have all of the NHS's data in DeepMind. What but they <laughs> <laughs> apparently they shipped an update and it will now respect Do Not Track. So their own browser <laughs> was not respecting do not track <laughs> for their own stuff. It's mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, that's basically walking up to a van, you see a lad sat there with a camera selling ice cream out and looking real kind of weird and say, I promise, I won't look at your kids, right? That
0: might be an extreme example. And enabling do not track, essentially, (laughs) I'm going to ignore that. Enabling do not track essentially says to websites, please track me. Pretty please. (laughs) Because I obviously care about it. I've probably got something worth tracking, so... You may as well track me.
3: Yeah, it's like having
0: like big sash windows and showing a safe behind them. You know, as big safes. Like, please don't rob me, for I have nothing. No tools left in this van overnight. Yes, oh, <laughs> oh, I doing. am waiting here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Not me personally, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we of all the Mozilla stories this week, you chose this one, <laughs> Bailey—the one to bash them. Yeah, I know. It just—it was—it was just the sheer.
1: Do you guys even care? Do you come into work every day and just go? You know what? Let's just fuck this shit up again, just for fun. It's it's mind boggling.
0: Well, they probably implemented it using Chrome because they all use Chrome over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Why are they still going? (laughs) Like, it's a legitimate question. I, I. I don't understand it anymore. Three like, words. Three words. Ya- four words. Yahoo and Marissa Mayer. Oh, yeah. And the, like, billion dollars or whatever that they made from that.
2: cashback.
3: Yeah, but I mean, even the history there is like, Yahoo's like, oh, lad, do you know your email accounts?
0: Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got so much money that they are not going anywhere. And I, I want them to do good things. And that some of the things they're doing are good. And Firefox, no, nah. isn't. <laughs> Isn't terrible. It's probably yeah. not as good as
3: crime. I'd rather they ah. just basically take all the money they have now and put them into like outdoor sporting events. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't even go, but I'd just feel happy that they existed. You're going to defend them, failing, or you're just going to take that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it. I I still use it. I'll still sit there being a I mean, a sucker, you can tell but... me
3: about their sporting friends <laughs> on <laughs> Firefox OS. <laughs> I'm sure you can stream it. <laughs> no doubt theirs would be like
1: competitive seal clubbing, knowing the way they go on with the fucking it's, shit. It's up. kind
0: of getting that way, though, not it? Uh, <sighs> didn't you have a terrible experience this week, Jesse, with um, their browser...
2: I was just surprised to see it. We, we talked about the uh, the new Android browser they have that protects your freedoms and... Firefox Focus. Firefox Focus. And I have to say, it is still the one that I use 60% of the time or so. And uh, You look at porn 60% uh, of the time. I knew you would interpret it that way. <coughs> well, What like, else is it going to be? That's
0: literally all that it's worth using I
2: re- for. <laughs> I replaced my Oprah Opera. Uh, I, op- uh, icon that I used on the bottom uh, rung of Android with that, so that I could use Firefox more often, and it, like, like we said in the review, it's very snappy, it's nice to use. However, it's basically one tab, and so I was looking at something other online, and I put it to one side, and carried on doing whatever. Like half an <laughs> hour or so, Oh, fuck. Off. And half, half an hour later or so, it was like... Firefox uh, Focus is using a lot of battery. It should be turned off. And I looked back and it was, you know, just a standard web page. And I, I couldn't work out why it wouldn't, like, sleep in the background in the same way that um, Opera that has, like, 25 tabs open is silent in the background. Nothing complains about it eating the battery. Yet, if you don't, uh, you know, sort of rubbish bin your your Firefox that one firefox page and get rid of the browsing history in my view it it seems to be just be eating battery so i'm surprised that it was alerted of all the browsers i've used that's the only one i've had that with
3: maybe it's just keeping everything in memory like it can't page the disk at all
0: well that would be in line with its privacy goals wouldn't it mm.
3: yeah i mean i'm just waiting for the review in a couple of weeks when jesse's suffering from rsi
0: <laughs> oh, i browse the web like normal person thank you very much he, he was looking for a birthday present for his missus <laughs> 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 sorry why is it eating the battery <laughs> anyway right let's move on so this episode of late night linux is sponsored by entroware they're gonna be so happy with this placement of this ad i know aren't they they're gonna love it <laughs> sorry guys uh so entroware are uh, a uk-based company Entroware.com and they sell Linux laptops. They actually care about Linux. They do the legwork. They make sure the firmware is running properly and that you're going to have a good experience. They sell computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate 1604 and 1704. And they have got this huge range of laptops, basically, and also a server and a desktop available, or a couple of desktops. And so they've got everything from low-end stuff all the way up to ridiculous powerhouses that I wouldn't need, stuff with really beefy graphics cards that you can do all sorts of graphic design and 3D art and stuff like that. And they're all configurable as well. That's what I really like about it. You can more or less configure most aspects of it, whether it's the CPU or the RAM or the storage, if you're happy with spinning Rust or if you want loads of super-fast SSD. You can uh, configure that stuff. And they ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, then there's an option at checkout to tell them where you heard about Entraware. And you can put in late-night Linux, and then they know they should keep sponsoring us, so do that, definitely spinning rust,
2: joe aren't you getting good at this advert thing <laughs> <laughs> but you've missed out one of the one of the main things that i, I think really sort of solidifies why entryware are, you know we're proud to have them as sponsors they're actually sponsoring odd 2017 this year they're the platinum or where the top level sponsor is um and so it just shows what their view is of you know the community and open source and things like that so you know uh big applause for to entryware for doing that and uh we're Joe and I are both going to our camp, so, so thanks.
0: Yeah, so check out EntroWare.com for all your Linux computing needs. I made that up, by the way. I hope they're grateful. Anyway, right, let's move on to a bit of admin. Uh, so thank you to everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon and that kind of thing. I haven't checked the Bitcoin for a while. I, keep, <laughs> I fire it up. It takes like two days to update the wallet, and it's like, no, no Bitcoin. Oh, wow, that was a useful uh, waste of electricity. Uh, but yeah, thank you, everyone. It is much appreciated. Um, we don't name names, but you know who you are. Thanks a lot. Um, if you want to join them, go to latenightlinux.com support. Uh, and if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com contact, there's the email address and Telegram group and various other ways. And you can always leave a comment, remember, under each post. Uh, so uh, ah, destination Linux, they need a new co host. So uh, I have been on Destination Linux, as have you, Ikey, as as Wimpy, and various other people. Uh, they are a weekly podcast, very much safe for work, um, very much desktop focused. They, they're proper distro hoppers who just love the desktop. They love the intricacies of the latest KDE and uh, they don't like XFCE, which is always funny to hear them complaining about that, even though it's great as far as I'm concerned. And anyway, so Rob is just doesn't have time. I don't know if he's leaving, but he's certainly standing aside for a bit. They've got some guest co-hosts lined up, but they're looking for someone to uh, join permanently with Rocco. So probably if you're in America, I don't know, it's, it can be a bit of a, uh, a tricky thing, organizing schedules for people. So... If you have been looking to get into podcasting for a while and you're really into draw hopping and stuff, um, then check out destinationlinux.org. There's links there to get in um, contact with them. And hopefully they can find a, a new permanent co-host and keep going because I, I like it. I, I don't generally delve too far into the desktop stuff these days. I kind of should do, but um, you know, I end up just not having time to. And so it's, it's a good uh, podcast to to catch up with that stuff so yeah check them out and um I, I feel like i haven't plugged them for a while and i feel sorry for them that's a bad thing to say but uh system au if you like australian humor if you like this show there's a reasonable chance you like them except for the shitty music which you can uh always skip through
1: now don't 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 pimp them they they said that you guys were having your own podcast so i never got a mention when we started so fuck them <laughs>
2: <laughs> fair enough you at one point also referred to as Jesse, Joe, Ike, and the other guy.
1: No, I didn't even get other guy. I, I wouldn't have minded other guy, but I got
0: nothing.
2: Wasn't yeah. included.
1: fucking convicts.
2: <laughs>
0: well, it's they live in a topsy turvy world, literally. It's like the middle of winter for them. Now, no, so. that's no, it isn't. It's all lies, weirdos. <laughs> um, right, anyway, yeah, odd camp. So, as Jesse mentioned. Entraware are the Platinum sponsor. If you go to Old Camp, you might be able to win one of their machines, which is worth a lot of money. Now, I am hoping I can win it, and <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe I can um, grease some palms or whatever. No, obviously, I'm joking. Um, But yeah, it's going to be in Canterbury. At the uh, Christchurch University. It's also sponsored by them, and it's also sponsored by the Ubuntu community. I think that is the money that you can donate. Um, oh, this is a minefield. I shouldn't go there. There, there was <laughs> there was some missing money at some point. I think it was they sorted out a long time ago. Anyway, it's donations to Ubuntu have uh, found their way to Ogcamp. <laughs> did anybody get put on an island <laughs> or was it the Isle of man <laughs> the, the money was just resting in their account anyway so um saturday august 19th to sunday august 20th but there is also a piss up on the friday night which i will be at and jesse will hopefully be at if he uh books a train anytime soon actually no, i might drive you down there if you come over here anyway that is off air discussion um there is now a rough schedule which i don't think i'm going to link to because i don't think it's public um but there's going to be all sorts of people richard brown who we've had on the show before is going to be talking about SUSE, uh matrix.org who are everywhere uh are going to be talking uh lightning
2: talks uh what else is there yeah ian Hutchison, and uh, obviously welcome talks and the last thing on the sunday is the big raffle where you can win that entryway laptop
0: yeah, and some other stuff, probably some System AU stickers uh, like you could last time. And yeah, the the extravaganza, the main stage extravaganza, it's written here. Now, obviously, I'm trying to take over that. That's just what I do. Uh, I might see if Stuart can do it, and I- I'm going to try and get on stage. Basically, any excuse to get on stage, I will be uh, taking. So you never know, I might be there. Ike, stop putting things in the fucking what? No, I, I was... and. And then the man said, oh, and it was great. Uh, I, I'm not going to read out what you've been trying to distract me with throughout <laughs> this whole advert and admin <laughs> section. But this is staying on air, and you are a bad man. Yeah. Um, but uh, the OG Camp needs uh, crew anyway. Oh, yeah, OG Camp's free, by the way. I should have mentioned that. You can pay if you want, or you can get a free ticket. So go to ogcamp.org or ogcamp. Uh, one of those weird domains um but yeah so they need crew they've got a few people i uh, just i want to have a good time i'm sorry i should help out and be crew but i'm just too selfish i want to go and hang out and watch talks and stuff uh the crew are pretty damn important to the whole thing and so if you're interested in helping out then you should email ogcamp at S-P-R-I-G dot G-S, Spriggs, because John Spriggs is in uh, organizing it and that's his domain because uh, he thinks he's clever to have one of those hacked domains. So camp at Spriggs, basically. Um, so yeah, do get in contact with him and hopefully it's going to be a great event. It's it's an excuse to have a three-day piss up as far as I'm concerned with uh, a few talks about interesting Linux stuff and, and also free culture and stuff as well. So yeah, do come down to Canterbury and uh, have a good time.
2: Yeah, just to, to round it off, Joe, I have booked my accommodation, I have booked my train, and I'm also pondering doing uh, a talk, so mm. if, and that doesn't, if that doesn't get thousands of people down, I don't know what will.
0: And we need to record a podcast that weekend, and I don't know how the hell we're going to do it. I've ordered some microphones, and I thought they were just never going to turn up, because the eBayer had uh, never sold anything before, I had no feedback, and then the tracking number didn't work, but today the tracking number finally started to work, so... Hopefully, I'll have mics. I can make it happen. Anyway.
1: And, and there will be actually no feedback in the recording then. Badoom. I,
0: I uh, What? Your Jesse's mic at Fostalk. Oh, was that feedback-y? Was it not? I, was, I think it was breaking up rather than feedback. Yeah, okay, right. It was a dodgy cable. Well, you can test it this time when he gives a talk on Installer UX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so there'll be all sorts going on. Um, so come to Ocamp, it'll be great. Uh, right, so magia magia is a distro that has been around in one form or another for an awfully long time, not quite as long as Slackware. happy birthday Slackware 1.0 released this week uh, or last week. Uh, but it's it was around as someone helped me out here. What was it originally? Mandrake and then Mandriva uh, and then it was forked to magia. Um, and now anyway, Magia 6 has been released, and so we thought we'd have a look at it. It is how can you describe this distro? It's RPM based, it's got DNF, so it's a bit like Fedora, but a bit more old school, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I would say that they have a lot of fundamental building blocks they've done themselves. So there's it's got its own sort of configuration system, it's got a welcome screen that's unique, uh, it's got other bits of software which sort of other other other. The lower level type building blocks as I are saying. But they put a very uh standard GNOME and XFC version on top. They don't change the icons, they don't add any, you know, widgets or whatever the other bits of get with GNOME, you know, those sort of extensions and things. So you get a very pure GNOME and XFC experience. And I would say that unfortunately, I think stock GNOME is dump. And you need to put extensions on it. You need to change the icons. You need to make it more usable and nicer. And when you do, it's very nice. And most distros that you would download with stock GNOME and also XFC looks terrible with all its default icons. Most distros do that nowadays. And so you forget what terrible icon sets GNOME normally has, but they sort of haven't. And it's it's an odd setup from that point of view.
0: Hang on, you've missed the most important version.
2: Oh, there's uh, there's Gnome, there's XFCE. There was a third one, I think.
0: Yeah, Plasma. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's funny you say all those things. I think they've actually made it worse by
0: customizing the Plasma <laughs> desktop. Well, for a start, it was the 5.8 LTS version, which presumably you're using 5.10, the newer one. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, okay... I shouldn't really give any advice
1: on how things look because I'm really not graphically design-orientated at all, but I kind of like the way Neon has always gone where they have the main KDE dev uh, graphics team uh, produce something and they essentially ship it as is and that's the kind of look they go for. And I guess it's been a while since I've used the distro that has like changed things. like Even desktop wallpapers,
0: it seems daft, but... I just I find it odd to do that. What um, you mean it doesn't have the SNP logo? The what? Do, do you not <laughs> okay, know about right. that? That that sort <laughs> no. of swirly thing is the SNP logo. Riddle put that in just because he's a Scottish nationalist. Oh, totally. That's exactly what happened. No, he saying. he fucking told me that in our <laughs> Telegram group. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. It is. Look at Google it. Now, do Google image search for SNP logo and tell me you don't recognize it. I know what the
1: SNP logo looks like.
0: Jeez.
2: No one knows what the KDE default desktop
0: looks like, though. Ah, well, it looks the same anyway. Suffice it to say. It doesn't. I don't know why we got off on that tangent. So it sounds like you weren't very impressed with the KDE version then. Um, It was okay, but uh, it broke the cardinal
1: rule Um, by pimping non- kd apps in place of things like so gimp was there as the main graphics app bizarrely clementine was the main audio app which is horrific looking kd yeah, uh yeah kd libs 4 and stuff and it's you know the one that they forked from amarok back in the day Ew. just strange strange choices i find i know they obviously have their own tool for doing everything which unfortunately i think that kind of conflicts with KDE's own And I don't know how you resolve that either, because then you have two config utilities. And this is why I kind of went off SUSE back in the day as well. It's like, I don't necessarily want a tool to do everything, but then at what point do they cross? And at what point is one different than the other? So, I don't know. It wasn't for me.
2: Absolutely, failure. I mean... I on on that welcome screen it has sort of things where you can install applications you can also run through and look at the the configurations you can do security settings and it gives you a lot of links to then shoot off and it opens these various security centers and software updaters and config things and I I opened the their quite nicely laid out uh, config tool and realized there was a network in there and it shows you all your various network connections hard and wireless and decided to log onto the wireless obviously and it wouldn't work so I tried again didn't work and then tried the GNOME wireless utility and it and it connected and it's like well if you have two wireless connection methods and only one of them works why have you put all this effort into having a second one when it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do if they both work that's fine you can then choose but if you're just doubling up and, and it's not working properly. And like you say, there's all these other things that they've done, which are nice utilities, but for some reason, they've they've kept the stock GNOME ones. And so you've kind of got a duplication. It, it seems like a wasted effort.
1: Did it include one thing that I do like? And that's the K-Mozilla helper um, package for uh, Firefox that gives um firefox the kde file open dialogue and you might go why would you want that well it's actually way better than the the standard one that comes with firefox you know you can see previews, images much nicer you can actually see all your places down the left hand side that you've got configured already like you know maybe a share on a different device or whatever the problem though is it that's because it's hard to keep track of firefox they've stuck with the esr version of firefox which is 52.2 in this current release whereas i'm up to 54 and presume you guys are too so i don't know i mean for the sake of making it look better they've kind of left you with a
0: stagnant version of firefox so it's unusual choices well before i shit on it anymore there's there's one really positive thing and and that is the way grub is handled so you go through the installer, which has got a million questions, which you flagged up failing. And okay, it's it's certainly not as slick as um... it's an appalling installer. <laughs> it is appalling. Don't hold back, okay.
3: <laughs> They sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but they haven't focused on user experience there in the slightest.
0: It keep it, you press next, and it just comes up with a label. Let's get back to that. Right. Ubiquity is the word I was thinking about. Um, but can i just say how they handle grub basically that they ask you what do you want to be default and you know so you instead of just presuming that you've installed my distro i'm going to put myself top of the list you you can if you want and that's what i did and and whatever they're doing with grub they're doing so right as far as i'm concerned because i've got loads of other partitions on this machine that i installed it on and i wanted to boot into ubuntu or zubuntu anyway so i go down boot into that um, I had to do some updates including the kernel update, right, reboot and then boots back to Grub and Zubuntu is selected by default and so if I'd done nothing it would have rebooted back into that. Why can't it always be like that? I, that, that That's how Grub should be. Wh- whatever they're doing Ike, take note and do it is all I'm saying if you want Solus to be good. Grub needs to die in a fire anyway. UEFI is the future and you can already select your boot order
3: in the firmware. Yeah, but But yes, all right, it's a nice touch. I'll give you that. It's a nice touch.
2: Back to Ike's bashing.
3: Well, no, it's not bashing, right? Well, it kind of Uh, is. uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: The Recommendations and... and...
3: (laughs) Areas for improvement. Okay, so I would like to preface this. (laughs) I think that they're aiming for a very specific user base, and I think they're aiming for their faithful. And that kind of shows, because they've kept a lot of their tooling around, and, you know for those people, it probably suits them, and I applaud them for that. However, (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't have downloaded a live image, and I think that's really played against me here because the idea of a live installer is you get a quick preview of what it's going to be like, and then you install a fully configured system, right? I installed it. Well, I say I installed it. It fucking tricked me into installing it, right? Granted, yeah, I had the installer open. I press next after choosing my disk, and it fucking formatted it. Now, not let's have a summary. Are you sure about this? Let's have some other steps. No, just fucking installed itself. Ubuntu's installer does that as well. Whoever thought of that should be
0: fucking shot. Right? Well, you do have to read what it actually says to you. To I did. There. Are you sure, Aiki? Yes. Are you really sure? Because right. I read no, it. No, because if, thought- y- if we bring this up, then I'm going to go
3: on about DD and Jesse. <laughs> if we're going to go down that path. look anyway, I, I almost had that happen to me and then I read it I thought, "Oh, hang on." Regardless, I'd been clever. I've got a, a laptop that I don't mind nuking, right? That that's fine. And I can I've also run it in VirtualBox. I uh, not VirtualBox, KVMU. Whatever it's called, I don't say words. QEMU? Yeah, him as well. The first weird thing I found like after I installed is that when it rebooted, now bearing in mind I'm it's supposed to be set up that it will boot from the disk first if there's something there to boot. Otherwise, it'll boot from the live medium. It definitely booted from the disc because I had their pretty grub screen on there. And it's got the little progress bar and everything like that. And it has like McGear six and you can click into that. Well, you can't click, so I did all that. But because the live medium was there, the installation then booted itself from that and did a live boot and I was like, well, this is trippy as all balls. (laughs) Are you sure that you didn't have it set to boot by default? No, no, no. I, I literally validated all this, right? And I had the default set up properly, right? Keep in mind I had to do this all the time, every day for a solace tests. I yeah. know the boot order is gonna be right. So I was like, okay, let's make sure this is removed. I then tried over on Quemu just to make sure that I wasn't insane and I could like set the boot order. It wasn't gonna be like a weird UEFA UEFI thing. It was still doing it. I was like, okay, let's remove it, like literally change the boot parameters so there was no other disk. And then it booted up from the system where I'm then greeted with GDM, because I've gone for the gnome one, with a live user which automatically logged in. I was like, I'm sure I definitely installed this. Like I've gone through the whole installer thing. It installed as a user live with no password, root everything was enabled and there was no sudo. That's not how you do live installs. You actually have to set something up. So something went wrong between two different installations on hardware, unless this is how they desire it by default, I really don't know. Once I got past all that weirdness, the fact that I'm a live user on an installation, which I'm you know, i willing to say that over because they do promote their installer image, which is like a big, chunky one with a load of locales. Even after all that, the desktop, it, it kind of felt bolted on. And I read back through the release notes afterwards, just to see what they were saying about it. And it really, really did seem a case of quantity over quality. Because they're saying about you know like oh well it's not really a new feature but we've got twenty free desktops and window managers so like okay but couldn't you have integrated them a bit more? Negative points aside, the installer definitely needs some work. Right, it's it just doesn't feel nice inside this. There's there's no there's no context or steps. All of that aside, and the fact that the GNOME Live version feels very disconnected, I do think it it feels like. It feels a bit like running the older distributions like Slackware or something. And even with all those niggly issues, there's something about that that really appeals to me because it still feels like you've got less bullshit. Like these days, you've got to run like a fully fledged desktop on top of stuff just to get anything done. Whereas it feels like a bit like the older days where you'd be editing ETC in it, tab and stuff like that. Because it feels old, it feels good. And I don't know what it is about it, but it's got it's got a charm to it like i'd probably run it (laughs) even after all the weirdness i'd still probably run it because it feels pure maybe you like the misery is it i think that might be it i just like pain
0: (laughs) didn't you say that you deleted it
3: yeah i did because (sighs) okay so i i tried out drake which is basically their you know their configuration screen with a really dated ui but that that's their own decision and it had the package configuration stuff. It's like, oh, go in there, and it came up with a load of dialogues, which I had to keep pressing OK on them. More dialogues, and their focus on usability was basically the 1990s version of usability. It's like, hey, I'm gonna do a thing for you. Is that alright? <laughs> Not twice. It was that sort of questions coming up. OK, through them all, and then every single repo failed to fetch. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Then I went into terminal, and then I had to like DNF update, and that worked fine. Uh, every time I went to a new section within Drake, uh, which basically comes up the configuration tool and the welcome screen, it wanted to install a new module and then a new module. I liked that it was modular. I didn't see where it would ever help me because as Jesse was saying, they're disconnected from wherever they're integrated. Like it's using network manager. So none of the network management stuff there actually applies to the desktop. So it, it felt very, very disconnected. But you know, it still had some weird charm to it. It felt like the old Linux distros, not the new ones, which I'm kind of guilty of now, but the new ones are, you know, let's be modern, let's be fresh and let's take things in a different direction. This this feels like the the old Linux that we all got to know and dare I say love, where you could sit down with a terminal and you would not be lost. If you knew Linux with the system, you would not be lost. You wouldn't have any wrenches coming at you because there was some custom stack or some new system or management thing. Like, you can cut all the bullshit off and just get down to the raw system, and that's kind of what I liked about it. And bonus point, even though I didn't like their installer, there was one thing they did right. So it's about 2 gigs the ISO. After I installed it, it's like it ran through a list of all the stuff, and it was like a Intel VAPI driver, and um, there were some hardware codecs, and there was a lot of like firmware packages. It's like, you don't need these. And there was a lot of locale packages as well, and it offered to remove all of them from the system. So immediately, it stripped my installation down of all the shit I didn't need. And I actually really like that. It's that kind of focus that I, I think I appreciate. So even though I would never recommend that for new users, I think for the older crowd of users, it it, it kind of fits. I don't know. I'm going to flirt with it.
2: I wonder if uh, if we can go from one positive to another. Have you got any uh, other positives, failing?
3: Um
1: so much positive a strange thing i noticed and um, i did the network install because i thought uh i'm not downloading 3.6 gigs and i didn't think that i actually had a bootable usb key or rather my laptop that i test this on was able to discovered it does so it's great but i downloaded the like what was it was about 70 megs Uh, network install and it's nice to have a network install it's kind of cool especially if you've run like if if you run it in a company you could have a local mirror and you could just do it cross network that way that's cool um but there was an interesting thing where you select the repos that you want to use and you could use this one called taint tainted um, (laughs) and that is packages that are potentially illegal or contain illegal Uh, things i guess back in the day when they had mp3 not being allowed in the states because of patents or whatever you had the unfree and uh you had the freedom stuff now i found it interesting that that welcome screen popped up and then told me all the packages that you know you can use multimedia and i click on that and i see in a big red block above the name of one of the items tainted and i was like (laughs) okay um yeah that's that's lovely (laughs) cheers um uh, non-free and free and all this and i just thought it was a bit of a strange thing It almost feels like somebody had to get a requirement for a government contract to (laughs) stick this in and they went right make sure that's everywhere
2: so when you say you use the net installer did are you working with like a very you know low rent sort of dos based sort of install
1: yeah um now something is wrong with my laptop and everything had a red background i assume it was meant to have black <laughs> but i can't guarantee that but yeah it looked essentially like the old uh debian style um net install so um you know you start off very low res you pick the disks and all that and then it kicks off but then it goes off and gets a uh, proper graphic install for the rest of it and i imagine it's exactly like the other so uh, you're not you're not stuck in it for the entire install
2: cuz it did it did occur to me to ask you the question but you've covered it about the fact that when you get this welcome screen when you I use the live cd as uh ike did and you get to the point of you can pick what you want to install from this welcome screen and it also has non-free and that's very clear as to what that's meaning you can make that choice and tainted is also highlighted and it seems like a like are you 100 percent non-free or are you a little, like, do you verge on the edge of caution? Like, it's just like, it's a bit of a grey area in the middle.
0: A
1: few MP3s in the back alley. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, yeah.
0: MP3s free now, don't forget. So, all right, in conclusion to this then, as far as I can see, it's it's not a distro that I'm going to use. Uh, it's not a distro that I, I can't really see who would use it. Uh, okay, Ike's made the point that people who want to feel nostalgic, but whatever i'm not buying that to me it feels like a distro that you can learn things from you can learn things that you should be doing and things that you shouldn't be doing and uh, you can not steal because it's open source you can take ideas and incorporate them into more modern distros because it feels very old everything about it i looked at the the gnome and kde versions i tried out the xfce version and it everything about it felt dated it felt like there are more modern ways to do this stuff but that's not to say you can't learn from the way they're doing some things as i say positive and negative it it, does that seem like a fair conclusion i think it's a distro for the people who currently use it and i just
1: think no one else should touch it and that sounds harsh though because i mean obviously they put loads of work in i don't feel like a dick but i don't think you should show this to anybody
3: Yeah, I was going to say that. It's providing continuity for the existing user base.
0: I think that's the main intention there. (laughs) It's not going to convert anyone to Linux.
2: And I know we're getting at the end, and I hate to ask a question on it, but the point we made where they have their own config tool, they have their own install tool, whereas actually if you use modern desktops like GNOME KDE, they have their config tools and their install tools are they wasting effort on making their own versions? Even if they worked flawlessly alongside the, the sort of desktop install and configuration tools, it just seems odd now to have duplicates, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like writing your own package manager. That would be ridiculous.
0: Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, I do take the point, Jesse, yeah, but you know, let them do what they want to do and maybe one thing i noticed right i think i'm probably the only one of us who tried all three of them there there was consistency across all three of them and i think that the only way you can really achieve that is by writing your own tools like the um,
3: you need the lifeblood of the distro to be the same regardless of the face
0: yeah exactly so I, i do admire that as well and as i said there's things that can be learned from it and yeah i think it's it's satisfying the existing users but I'm not gonna be installing it on anyone's laptop for them, I'm afraid. And I'm not gonna be keeping it around on mine.
3: I'd say fair play to them, you know.
0: That's yeah. basically all I can say of it. You know,
3: they're they're they have a user base, they're staying faithful to them. They haven't felt obligated to follow the march of the other distros. And that might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing. You could look at it as lemmings on a cliff and they might be saying, Well, you know, this has worked for us for a long time and we're gonna to continue to do it. so you you kinda gotta take your hat off to that as well. Just not my hat, because we know that doesn't leave my head. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which one? The
0: top hat, the chimney sweep one. Oh, yeah, uh, no, I've got multiple hats. <laughs> anyway, right, um, that had better do it for this one, then. I keep meaning, here we are, 16 episodes in, and we haven't, like, scripted anything to say goodbye. Uh Instead, we just have to have this awkward sh- fucking shambling out of episodes. I suppose no one gets this far. If you do get this far, <laughs> let us know. Um, How so are you yes- still here? <laughs> Why are you still here? All right, so we will see you again in... Well, you won't see us, or we won't see you. You'll hear us. Anyway, whatever. We'll be back in two weeks for the last proper episode before Camp. Um And I suppose until then, then, I've been
2: Joe. Oh, I was about to say your lordship, but um, no, I- I've been Jesse. Phelan. <laughs> lady. <laughs> say it.
3: lady. You're supposed to say I'm still Ike. That's your thing. Oh, is that my thing now? Oh, right. Well, <clears throat> I'm still Ike.
0: Hey! <laughs>
3: Good job we didn't drag that one out, huh? <laughs>